0: what's up everybody welcome back to the dad the man podcast my name is brendan wall and i am your host And I'm so excited to welcome you to the show, welcome you back to the show, whether you've been here before or not. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting our mission here at Dad the Man. So we talk about a bunch of different things here on the show. We talk about marriage. We talk about fatherhood. We talk about personal development. We talk about health and fitness. And we talk about all these different things, these different skills that we need to be great at what it is that means the most to us, which is being great men, great husbands, and great fathers. We talk about the ups and the downs through all of it. We talk about the struggles and battles balancing all these different things, the responsibilities that we have, the, the privilege that it is to be able to lead a family. We talk about all these different things, the ins and the outs. And I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know you could spend your time doing anything else, listening to anything else. There's a million other podcasts you could choose from, but you've chosen to tune in here. My goal is to give you the best return on your time as I possibly can. I want you to walk away from this episode or any other episode that you listen to here on the show with something that really resonates with you, a little nugget that you can take and actually implement into your life to make you a better man, better husband, better father. That's the goal here. That's what I want you to walk away with today. And I think that is going to happen today because we have a great conversation. I'm so excited to share it. So today's conversation is with the Trey Hardy now, Trey is a decorated track and field athlete. He's an NCAA champion, an Olympic silver medalist. He's a four-time world's top athlete in the decathlon. And these are just a few of the trophies that he's earned. Known for his determination, perseverance, and dedication to his craft, he faced and overcame so many challenges, so many injuries in his athletic career. Today, I had the opportunity to chat with him, not just about his career, but also his transition into air quotes retirement, and the ups and downs of parenthood and balancing work, athletics, and family and life. It's a lot to balance. And I really enjoyed uh, hearing his perspective on how he approaches that. Trey is a great dude. And even though we had never spoken before this conversation today, this really felt like catching up with an old friend. And I couldn't have enjoyed it more. And that's really a testament to him, to Trey. He's such an open and inviting and calm person. I really enjoyed getting to catch up with him. But above it all, Trey is an incredible man, husband and father, and it was an honor to host him on the show. So here's my conversation with the Trey Hardy. All right, fellas, welcome back to the show. Today we have another unbelievable guest. Today we have with us decorated Olympian and a world's top athlete in the decathlon i mean this dude is awesome he's also from my hometown we went to the same high school the stavia hills with us today the one and only trey hardy
1: hey what's going on man
0: i'm uh i'm really excited to have you on here let's go rebels go (laughs) refs once once once, what do they say once a rebel always a rebel i think that was the saying going around around the time i graduated
1: yeah it was similar when i was there and i think it was yeah i think once a rebel I think it just got like shortened to once a rebel kind of thing or like you mess with one rebel, you get them all or something. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of, kind of changed with whoever was, you know, I guess we had the same athletic director the entire time, like Buddy (laughs) Anderson just retired. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, what a great place to grow up. Just beautiful, really hardworking kids, super competitive. I took that for granted how competitive it is like Mm -hmm. just growing up there and what that, that kind of fostered in just me personally, like just everything was a competition.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've never really thought about that, how competitive it really was. Like the sports were great. They were really strong. You had to bring it to be able to play.
1: Well, and the math, the math team won a national title when I was there. Uh, Mm -hmm. debate team always went, won the state title. Like it was always this thing. Like my, I remember my calculus class, we had two perfect SAT scores just in my calc my just my third period calc class wow and you're just like who are these people how do you do that (laughs) yeah so there was all of that just driven kids and it wasn't like a neuroses it wasn't like these kids just like sat down and did it it was just it was kind of you were just doing the normal thing like it, it was normal to to perform really well I think. I was like in the bottom, I was just above like the 40th percentile of my graduation by mm-hmm. graduating class. And I had a three, eight, <laughs> like I, and that nuts. I, yeah. Like I would not have gotten into to the university of Texas coming out of high school. I wasn't, I wasn't smart enough. It was just crazy.
0: That's wild that that's the bar and you had a three, eight, like that's pretty damn close to perfect.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: I slacked off
1: a little bit, but yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of us did that's all right you're not you're not yeah. alone uh in that one yeah. um so we uh so i know you played i kind of want to i guess let me say this i want to cannonball in here i've been thinking about where to kind of jump into our conversation and we've got i guess something else in common we obviously both went to vestavia but we both played basketball in the basketball program through our yes. around sophomore year ish there you um, go so yeah i i ended up just kind of stepping away from it i the writing was on the wall i didn't want to play jv again going into junior year that whole thing so i just i ended mm-hmm. up transitioning ended up playing lacrosse at a good time so i i know you were cut from the team around that time yeah and i'm really interested to just like what happened because i'm imagining you as like this this like six five athletic kid like a few really just a few years away from being like a world-class athlete and you're getting, (laughs) yeah. And you're getting cut from a high school basketball team. That doesn't make sense on paper to me.
1: It, well, I, I wasn't, you know, that, that big or strong or fast or tall. Um, you know, my freshman year, I was like five, nine, a buck 30. And then by the time I got to that right before the junior season, um, and again, yeah, played freshman ball, started JV ball, was was a player like i just played through visits through all like i was trade Trey's gonna be on the basketball team kind of kind of player yeah um and it it still to this day is kind of it's inexplicable it was just this decision it, it wasn't my performance it wasn't my attitude it wasn't anything it just was he didn't want me on the team and it, it, it sucked and it hurt and yeah hardest probably top three or four hardest times i've ever cried like i've like i didn't want to show my face at school it was just so it was just devastating and no explanation no nothing no nothing and like almost like to the month that that happened i started to grow and started (laughs) to like like fill out and Kind of almost by the end of that year, I was a little over six feet tall, ended up graduating like 6'3", but I was still like a growing. I looked like a basketball player. I was like 6'3", a buck 55, you know, I wasn't yeah. like this big kid or anything, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, he just told me to go be a pole vaulter, like those were his exact words, uh-huh. and I just like, all right, dude, I'm I'm going to be the best pole vaulter you've ever seen. Like, I'm going to go yeah. out there and stick it to him, and I was so motivated by that like genuine dislike for that man like i just for what he had done to me i just i was gonna do the best i could do and just stick it to him and i remember running a couple of times like running a workout i didn't really want to do and thinking about him and it made like it like was this weird motivating factor and that only worked for so long yeah um yeah it it definitely like Set the set set my path on a way different course. I mean, that was a big, big you know left turn, and I started heading to a to a different direction.
0: So he so his suggestion: why don't you go become a Paul Volter? Um, that's uh, that's pretty harsh. One, two, it worked out for you pretty well considering where you went from there. But you you hit on something there that really I think is interesting, and it's like I guess the the idea or the difference between trying to prove someone else wrong and trying to prove yourself right. So I'd be interested to hear, like thinking back, like, did you re- like sounds like the fuel to the fire was really I'm gonna prove him like I'm gonna go do it. Like I've it's it's like you're being fueled by a negative emotion as opposed to like chasing a dream that you had in your heart. Like when did that yeah. flip for you? I'd be curious to know that, I guess.
1: Um It's a good question. It it's not like a light switch. I I and yeah. that's what I think it applies to so much of what life is. Like we think there's gonna be this like fireworks display and like, from that day on, Trey was a great (laughs) father because of this one thing. Like, no, we're we're hardwired and and, uh, raised to feel and process emotions in a certain way. And for me, it took probably the better part of four years to really kind of turn that, uh, turn the corner from trying to come up with these reasons why someone didn't want me to succeed or didn't let me play basketball and going to prove them wrong to like forward facing. Cause all of that stuff is ba- is looking back over your shoulder at something that's just happened. And so it took me a long time to realize that the only sustainable energy source for any endeavor, it, it, at least for myself is internal motivation. And so I, I, over that time period, I just be kind of became addicted and obsessed with track and field. You know, I just pole vaulted in high school and then messed around with some other stuff after I had signed my, my big old book scholarship to Mississippi State um, and learned like, wow, you know, like all this stuff is really cool. Like this is really fun. And you know what the best part about it is, is no one can take this away from me. Like no one, there's no judge, jury, coach, or anybody that can like subjectively say that wasn't fast. Mm-hmm. Like you're fat, like we have we have video and laser timing evidence that you're fast. <laughs> yeah. Like the bar, the bar stayed up. You made it. So no one could take that away. So that like objectivity of what that sport brought, um, I think really, really filled a hole in my life that even to this day. I cannot stand referees and like officials make like changing the outcomes of games on missed calls or made calls or I like it just
0: it's subjectivity.
1: It's, it's it's infuriating to me, and I know that's yeah. that's just a big you know I'm not I don't want to say triggered, but just an activating <laughs> theme to witness. And so yeah, I, it, it took a few years to like grow into this like. No way, I've. I'm supposed to, this was all a part of God's plan. I'm supposed to be doing all this stuff. Everything was supposed to happen the way it's been happening. And I'm, all I'm doing is being a steward of my talents here. So let's see how far this goes. Let's see how much I I've been blessed with and, and try to reach this, this, the limit of kind of that human potential. Um, Mm -hmm. and the decathlon was it, the decathlon is the best measure of, of any of that, you know? Mm -hmm running, jumping, and throwing, and and just discipline and mental resiliency and all the, everything that would encompass a, a phenomenal athlete. Like I was, I got to test that every day of my life. And so it, I just started to consider myself blessed to be in a position to do it. And then sought after the great, the best coaches I could in the best environment, led me to Austin. And then it just became, I think after like the 2004 Olympic trials, I I had never wanted to go to the Olympics. I thought I I would go to the Olympics when I was a little kid in like soccer because we had the World Cup and we had Atlanta and Birmingham hosted all the some games from the Atlanta Olympics. And Mm -hmm. that was what I was into. And then I knew I wasn't going to play in the NBA. I thought I could play in college for basketball. But I had never had that like Olympic dream uh, till 2004. And then that's kind of where all of the external stuff was just gone. Because I got to line up against these heroes and these guys who had been there, done that, won medals. They were the best athletes in the world. And I was racing them and I I beat them. And I was like, oh, okay, I can beat (laughs) these guys. It's just going to take time. Okay, all right, let's get back to work.
0: Yeah. It's it's interesting to think how I guess that that flipped for you over time. And it it sounds like there was almost like a passing of the torch of maybe where you were getting your validation from. Like as a high school kid, like you kind of have to get it from your coach because he makes the decision of whether or not you get to be on the team. And uh, it's super interesting. It makes like a ton of sense to me that like to your point about, you know, there's a timer, there's a laser, the bar falls or it doesn't. There's there's no subjectivity. It's a hundred percent objective, and you get the chance to go out there and prove it one way or the other. Like there's nobody that can dispute the fact that you ran faster or slower. Um, I'd I'd love to I'd love to go back just a little bit talking. uh, I'm thinking about you being there. You said it was one of like the hardest times you've ever cried, and I'm imagining, you know, I, I I can relate to that in some regard. I didn't get cut, like I said before, but basketball was my life, and. I was I was basically told to quit it was kind of the best way I could put it very similar um I'd love to know how your parents handled that like what that was like for you with them and I'm thinking about that now for anybody sitting at home with their kids maybe watching their kids have a dream that they're chasing and maybe it's not working out the way that they thought it was going to I, I it seems like th- like you had the right people in place to like you said just make that transition emotionally over time i'd love to know how your parents handled that um
1: it gets the the details of all of it gets fuzzier as we we move on but they were they did a, a masterful job of just holding space for that that pain you know they didn't get upset for me they didn't you know shake their fists at the the institutions of the coach we ended up they ended up meeting with the coach because they true they just didn't believe me that i hadn't done anything wrong they're like there's no because it didn't make sense so they met with the coach and came out of the meeting we're like yeah i mean this is just it's his decision there's nothing we can do about it but held space for me to be sad and me to be upset like there wasn't any like come on you know it's not that big a deal like life's gonna go on like they just let me be emotional about it and let me work through what I needed to work through. You know, the only thing that they really did that made me do was go to school. Like you are not, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go to school the next day. Yeah. And they made me go to school, which that was the hard. That was the hardest part, just doing it that first day. Then the second day gets easier and then easier and easier. Um, then just, help me move on to the next thing you know like big big family of faith and and there was a purpose and a design to what was going on that we didn't understand at the time but we knew that eventually we would see the grand design and see why this is happening and we don't have to understand it now we just have to trust and have faith and continue to to move through Whatever it was we were moving through, you know, and yeah. not try to lash out, um, not speak ill over anybody. To not, you know, there, I think there's a quick tendency, um, especially now. I mean, thankfully, social media didn't exist in the year 2000, <laughs> so or this was 01 maybe no 2000. Yeah. Um, so it just. They, that that was what I remember from that that experience and that event. And that's even, it, it really does speak and, and provide countless lessons to just even young kids for me now, just being able to hold space and let them feel emotion, recognize emotion, and be able to work through it and, and validate their own experience. Like, and just, hey, you look really sad. Is your heart really sad right now? let's talk about why your heart's sad like this, that, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm.
0: uh, and that's so hard. That's so hard to do. That's something I've been wrestling with big time recently. It's like, with you know, six year old, four year old, we're really in that stage where it's like we're parenting. Like th- there's no babysitting at that age. Like you're parenting mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's like, you know, sitting around the dinner table or getting ready for bed and there's an outburst of, you know, big brother hits little brother or somebody says something very disrespectful or is, you know, super ungrateful for, you know, maybe mom made dinner or somebody gave him a present they're ungrateful for it. And it's like, okay, how am I going to handle this? Am I going to just immediately jump in and like course correct and say, hey, the behavior's wrong? Or am I going to have the the patience to like take a beat, take a breath and try to figure out what emotion is underneath that behavior that's causing the behavior to happen And then allow like get to that teach them how to handle it and go through it and dude i've been failing at that so hard (laughs) recently it's like coming out of christmas and stuff like oh man it's been tough like Mm -hmm. bring me into that moment i guess like with you and and your kids like what does that look like for you I'd,
1: i'd like to think that i'm getting better in those moments um my wife is like could teach a master class, although I don't know that she could teach it. It's just some innate ability she has. She's like, just do it. I don't know. Just do it. I'm like, please help me. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, just be I, a wizard I, with the kids.
1: I've had to unlearn a lot of my like a lot of what has made me successful and that like competitive behavior, discipline, all the things that I want in my kids. Mm-hmm. A two year old does not need that in their lives, you know? So we got <laughs> I have three three kids, six, four and two. Um, girl, girl, boy. And I always my my initial reaction is just to buy myself some time and go the Socratic route. And so just asking questions about like, hey, what what's going on? Well, why? Why does that make you sad? What do you what do you think we could do to help like to help? What Mm -hmm. do you need from like, what do you need from me? Um, just getting in that that mindset to get them to talk about their feelings and recognize those feelings, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how would you feel if you worked really hard and made us all dinner, but then mom didn't want to eat it and she threw it in the trash? Like, what would that feel like if for you? Just get, like, trying to ask questions more so than, like, telling them what to think or do. Yeah, Like, tell your mom thanks right now. Yeah. Like, I don't think, like, just in my short time being a, being a dad, that's, I don't get results from that. (laughs) I think you just get, you know, you get a, you get a push of equal, equal force in the opposite direction. And so I, I, my, my jump to is just full Socratic discussion and just trying to ask them questions (laughs) until they, they can kind of sort things out uh, on their own. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, um, I like that approach. Sorry. What were you going to say?
1: i I was just gonna just that and then every other time it's just a tantrum and there's nothing you can do about it and so (laughs) we just try to remove that tantrum child into a separate location and ask them to say like you know when you're ready when you when you've calmed your body down and you're ready to talk and come back please come back Mm -hmm. but right now we're gonna put you over here it's not timeout it's just you need to sit here until you can calm down and, and, and talk with us, you know? Cause I, as I, that's the one thing I don't, I don't fight those things anymore. I used to like try to fight it and like, what is like, come on, let's figure this out. Like what's going on. Talk, use words. Yeah. And now there's just placing it in a different location until he or she's calmed down and then we can talk.
0: Yeah. That's uh that's that's super helpful i mean trying to try yeah trying to stop a tantrum mid tantrum i mean you're trying to stop a tornado mid tornado it's just not it ain't ain't gonna happen just it just doesn't work i've been thinking about this a lot recently like i said i've been i've been failing a lot in this in this department i've you know we've been in the i told you we just adopted twins sleep Ah. sleep is damn near non-existent and like the fuse has gotten short and i've caught myself and i've had to kind of work through this um because I have, you know, get short on time, you get stressed, and it's just like, just eat your damn vegetables. Just, you know, just sit, tell your mom, thank you to, to the example you used before. But I've been journaling through it and thinking about it. And recently I've been thinking about it through the lens of like almost like a salesperson. Like I've had a short role where I've had some exposure to sales. And one of the things that I found a lot of success with in sales is like, no matter what somebody says, you have to like meet them somewhere and have some common ground, right? Like if you can agree with them first. Then you mm-hmm. can walk with them through a sale as opposed to like reaching over the counter and try to take their money from them like a like a hard close sale might go. So I have thought about that with my kids. I'm like, oh, OK, what if, you know, they come to me, they say whatever. What if I just agreed with them first and then sat mm-hmm. next to them and said, how can we you know, how, how can we get from A to B from here? Yeah. And that's something I like it's i was it's funny we're talking about this now I was, talk, I was journaling through this like last night so this is very fresh so I'll, I'll hopefully can report some good findings here as i put it into play in the field over the next couple of weeks but it's kind of it's it's just been top of mind for me lately
1: yeah there's definitely going to be plenty of opportunities for you to practice uh <laughs> but yeah i like that i feel like my wife has done that a few times with i mean specifically kind of with food like oh yeah you don't like whatever whatever vegetable a whatever it is it's like yeah uh i've I've still really struggle with this with vegetable b like that one i i really can't i can't eat it but you know what i always try because some sometimes it just clicks and sometimes you like the way that it's cooked so yeah that that's usually how we get them to try you know like that kind of stuff and then um the other thing that just clicked when you said that was i oh I'm really bad at like saying what the what book it was or where it was. Oh, no way. <laughs> Got it on hand. Bam. This growing is, up again. This is profound and unbelievably helpful, but it's kind of a step by step guide on how to reparent yourself. And in doing that, seeing yourself and your kids. um, mm. And so if I'm ever like very, very stuck, and it's hard to do this in the moment, but if if I can remember, it's always I just picture myself down there as them, like, and how would I, as little bitty-bitty kid version of myself, how would little Trey want to be parented, you know, back 30 years ago? What would I have needed? What would what would have felt good for me to hear from my mom or dad? You know? Mm-hmm. And that usually softens the edges enough to like bring the the blood pressure down and, and kind of start from there.
0: Yeah. So for anybody, anybody didn't hear me say that that's the book growing up again. I wrote that down. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's for sure. Going on the, the instant read list. And
1: then the sub, the subtitle
0: parenting ourselves, parenting our children,
1: but it's really, really good. And it does a good job of just defining things. So like I'm a big, again, track and field, like very segmented, bucketed kind of, Learner and just mm-hmm. being able to define a lot of different parenting styles and um, what really—I mean—they do a good job of actually clinically defining abuse. You know, and abuse is not just like the major stuff that is that's harmful and illegal. Like it can be your body language. There's abusive, so, like the way that you talk. It have, you don't have—you don't have to yell or curse, but like some of the comments and that kind of stuff—and just very eye-opening and then when you think about that and then put that on top of like what if let's think about myself is that is this little kid you're know, like i yeah. like well, i definitely don't want to abuse this kid because it's me um yeah really really has helped and that's just in, yeah in the last like five months that i've picked that one up so yeah
0: i like that approach i mean that's that's empathy modeled out like in 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 real life right there that's it like imagining yourself in some or imagining yeah yourself and someone else and how would you want to be treated that's it that's Mm -hmm. huge
1: which i think we all we overlook because they're they're kids and they're our our kids we spend so much time with them that it really doesn't it i think it's easier for myself to do that with a stranger in traffic or something like that than it is with my own kids
0: yeah I've, i've fallen victim to that as well yeah i mean it's like i mean when was the last time you told an adult or like imagine a conversation with your wife if you told her to calm down like how's that gonna go like, in the moment, like, heated. Hey, calm down. Is she, like, come on. Oh, yeah. That's a... Like, I, why do we think that's going to work on our kids?
1: Oh, I'm getting, like, the pit of my stomach feeling even just thinking about me saying that to, to her in, in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, hey, it
0: seems like you're pretty upset.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you should calm I'm, down. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: Uh, yeah, so... Just wanted to mention that. That's that's uh something that just came to mind. Wanted to highlight that. That uh yeah, I think it's it's the same thing though. You know, whether we say that to our wives, say that to our kids, it's just it's just uh it's just not gonna not gonna work. Um you, you said something before I want to circle back on, and you were talking about like some of the traits that you have that led to you achieving like such high levels of success in in sport and like I guess trying to not put that on your two-year-old, but like you also want them to have that drive and that spirit and that edge to compete, to show up, to be great. But also I know there's, you mentioned there's some unlearning that you have to do to also maybe just find like some peace and some happiness along the way. I'd be really interested, like having been somebody who has quote unquote made it, like you you climbed that, like you world's greatest athlete, That's that's pretty damn great. And then, now being in a position where you're, you're parenting children, like, well, how are you approaching that with them? I guess like, I'm so interested to know, like, is it, was it worth it to do that? Like, are you having to unlearn too much? Would you advise them to do the same thing? Like, I know that's a, that's a big loaded, you know, sprayed question, but I'm interested.
1: I, the The one thing that, and it, it definitely is, it carries over and I'm not sure if it's a learned, a learned, Behavior or if it's if it's innate, but the the perfectionism and mm-hmm. sometimes focusing on the negative a little too much because I mean when you get to that at mm-hmm. at least at, athletically when you get to a point you don't really celebrate a lot of the small things anymore. You're just trying to fine tune the top top 0. 0.5 you know last little percent, and a lot of times the only coaching you receive is negative, like yeah like, hey, that, you know, the angle that you're coming in at, it's just way, way too shallow, you're gonna have to bring that up. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, profoundly negative, but it is a corrective thing. And it just the need to try to continue to strive for perfection um, doesn't just Yeah, it never just stopped at at you know, on the track, like, it's something that I brought home, it's something that I brought in, I went and I got my master's, um, and I, I brought it into that, um, for the first time ever, I was like an actual good student because it Mm -hmm. just, I'd had this decade of like practice at being disciplined and, and trying to, yeah, trying to be perfect, you know, trying to Mm -hmm. win and be perfect. And then it, it was the same with kids and there's no answer, you know, like no one's written the book, you know, no one has figured it out. Um, but there are best practices. And so not wanting to put that on my kids and I can see it. And then even now my my oldest will will stop things really, really early if actually. Oh, it's not there. I don't know where it is. She started coloring a picture. And in the first little part of the rainbow, some some of the red, like a little tiny thing, went out of the lines. And she was, she's like, I need a new one. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like she, that that perfectionism. Mm -hmm. i I don't want to necessarily like completely try to rid her of those feelings but know when she should apply it and know how to go about like if if you don't want that to happen again let's finish this one and for the rest of the paint with the rest of the the drawing just try to stay in the lines you can throw it away when you're done but finish it you know or yeah um that That's the one thing, at least in in this season of life right now that is is showing up that I'm struggling with like it I totally resonates like, yeah, I get it. I would want to throw that away too, but I'm not gonna let you throw it away. Like, <laughs> we're gonna we'll finish it together or we'll we'll get through this, um, but that it's not healthy all the time to be that like neurotic that you're gonna start over. Anytime it doesn't go your way, because then Mm -hmm. you end up with this kind of quitting mentality, you're not going to finish what you start and you're not going to learn what struggling through something really is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just a short time ago, she learned how to ride a bike after us, just kind of begging, let's go practice riding your bike. Let's go ride your bike. Let's go ride your bike. And she had had a couple of times where she's learning and, you know, the training wheels are off and she just fell a lot, Mm -hmm. like a lot, a lot, you know? Um, to the point where she didn't want to try anymore. She's like, I yeah. don't, I don't, I'm okay. And she would kind of hide it and disguise it. Like, no, I don't want to ride my bike today. I'm going to go, uh, swimming or I'm just going to go kick the soccer ball or do something else. And, um, I think that was her first, the first time for her, we, we kind of made her continue to try my wife, dragged her outside several times to the, and then she finally just one afternoon came running inside. She's like, I did it. Like, no way. And then, so we just kind of in like a debrief kind of reminded her of how, how hard it was and how many times she failed and how many times she uh, got back up, how many times she fell, scraped her knees, was was super scared at the top of the little um, hill in our yard because we made her learn on the grass. So it'd be easy to fall. And now she gets home from school and all she wants to do is ride her bike around the neighborhood. Yeah. Like it's the best thing in her life. And so I, I, it's going to take several more of those instances. But I think that's that's gives me hope for being able, even for just for my own insecurities as a dad, not wanting her to grow up with this like hyper perfectionist, you know, mindset uh, kind of gives me hope that like she can struggle through failure to get to the to get to the end. You know?
0: Yeah, that's I mean, dude, kudos. A long
1: super long winded answer. But per- yeah, perfection. Oh, my
0: God, dude. Kudos to you guys. I mean, so I I think in that is just like coaching kids and confidence. And to your point, like being able to struggle through something, grow from it and then be able to see like, Hey, I sucked at this a week ago and today I'm crushing it. And now I love it. And now it's cool. Now it's fun. And I think that like for you guys to be there, I mean, you know, there's, there's a I'm sure there's there's a pun or a metaphor in there somewhere about the training wheels. But you guys stepping in to help her, um, mm-hmm. you know, through that experience, literally, and then just letting her go. That's I mean, that's that's incredible. And I think that's that's the whole game, right? It's, it's like it's it's something I've been working on with my kids, too. And it's I don't think I've done that good of a job, but I'm going to be using that because I, I see that with my kids like they want to. They often just want to do the things they're good at. But I see them have an interest and be like, oh, I really want to do that, but mm-hmm. I can't. But I can't do it today, but I want to be able to do it tomorrow. So it's being like hyper present to be able to re- like pull them out into that position and c- encourage them out there. And I think that's the difference in like, you know, you talk about being, being in it, being present as a dad, not being like drifted off into outer space, thinking about work emails and stuff all the time. Like, I think that's the difference is being able to be present enough to handle that moment the way it needs to be handled. Yeah, yeah. My
1: my sister has does a really really good job of she built that into kind of her her parenting of her kids where the projects that they would do you couldn't finish them like in a week. So you had to do a little bit every mm. day to build this huge big beautiful thing. Whatever that was, whether it was like a tower or knitting or, you know, she's a a Navy wife. So her husband was on deployment. So they build these big, long rings and each ring is a day. And so they get to, they build as they go and build this huge thing and decorate the house with it as uh, for all the days that he was gone or like just the stuff that you, that isn't flash in the pan quick. Yeah. Delay
0: gratification.
1: Exactly. So that they can just see a little bit every day, is just as cool. Like the end result is just as cool as something I can just rip off in, in, you know, in 20 minutes.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's that, that's, uh, now, now the wheels are spinning in my head. I'm like, Oh, what, what projects can I get and do with the boys? What can we build in the backyard? That's going to take a little while, uh, for anybody we're, listening, dude, that's, that's legit. A long-term we're building, project.
1: We're building a treehouse right now.
0: And, and nice. every
1: time, every time I go out there, I'm like, who's going to come out and help. And, Every, every one of my kids comes out and helps that helps, but like, yeah, it comes out and like, Hey, you're on screws, you're on screw duty. You're going to hand me screws. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like every time I need a gold one, hand me a gold one. And when I say I need a silver one, hand me a silver one. And so that I'd say 80% of the, like the fasteners on this pretty, pretty legit tree house. Now it went from <laughs> like a tree house to like, now it's like a tree fortress. Um Nice. 80% of them were, were from Frankie or from my oldest kid. So, um, that's that kind of stuff really, not only is it just, it's fun and it's fun at this age too, because they're very physically capable. They listen and they kind of mm-hmm. see the big picture. Yeah. Um, my two year old, no, more of, more of a liability up there right now, <laughs> but yeah.
0: But out there nonetheless.
1: Oh, he loves it. He, I mean, yeah. I don't, we didn't kind of realize at the time. I mean, my kids, my girls came out wanting to play with dolls and loving the color pink. We didn't like force mm-hmm. a lot of like weird, weird, we didn't like, we weren't like non gender, you know, like non binary, but we also weren't like, don't you love princesses? Like <laughs> they just gravitated towards that stuff. And yeah. my son, I, I don't know that anyone loves trucks or equipment more than my son. <laughs> he loves tools, he loves trucks. I can't mow the grass without him. He won't. He he loses his mind if I'm mowing the grass and he sees me. <laughs> and he's not in the chair. You know, we got a nice riding lawnmower. He's not yeah. in the chair with me. And it just is that I I can't work on the treehouse without him either. He's just he's out there.
0: Isn't that crazy? Like how different they are. I'm always oh, blown uh, away by that. I, it, it I've got obviously two boys and then. I've got um, the twins, one's a boy, one's a girl, and it's it, it, even if, even with the newborns. It's kind of funny; they're just their mannerisms. She's so feminine, and he's just a little wrecking ball. But then I also have a niece and a nephew down the road that are, you know, three and five, and um, just interacting with with a little girl as opposed to a little boy. It's like a, just a different part of your brain has to turn on. It's mm-hmm. crazy different.
1: Yeah. I'm doing kind of the opposite. So I, we went girl, girl. So we've got these two beautiful girls and they're awesome. I mean, they're, we're waiting for the, they they kind of ebb and flow between best friends and like mortal enemies, you know? Oh, yeah,
0: uh, oh, yeah.
1: but the girls are so mm-hmm. fun. Like, cause you can do anything with them. And like my oldest, she's a huge like physical problem solver. She's really, really just physically gifted, mm-hmm. loves sports, loves running, loves climbing trees but also loves playing dress up and charades and singing karaoke and do it like doing dance moves and stuff. Yes. And then my, and now I'm having to switch gears. My son is just dirt and <laughs> gabs and like trucks and all like the, like stereotypically like little boys stuff. So I'm having to like, we got, we have, we have way too many toys in the house, but we're having to, I'm having to switch gears parenting wise to figure out how to guard that guy.
0: Yeah. um, Well, I'll give you some words of advice. If if you're if he if he ends up being anything like mine, just like keep your head on a swivel. Like, at once they turn the like for us, it was at like three when they kind of really realized like, oh, this could be a weapon. Oh, I could hit dad in the nuts with this. Like they do with pretty much every opportunity. Like I come in from most days and there's either a nerf gun pointed at my face or there's like my my middle son is just wild child he'll come in with like a stick from the yard and he's just trying to like beat the shit out of me with it like in real time as i'm walking in uh they're violent little man they're violent little animals they're so fun though
1: and that's what we got to figure out soon yeah sooner rather than later some kind of like outside
0: outlet for them
1: to like target practice (laughs) before (laughs) they get inside
0: yeah having the uh having having an outlet for them is uh is le- is legit for sure. Um so I want to step I guess step this conversation towards your transition away from sport into, you know, really leading a family and and raising kids. And we've kind of we've kind of talked around this I guess a little bit through the lens of how you're parenting your kids with, you know, through some of those traits that led to your success and how you're handling that with them. I'd be interested to know what that transition like was like for you, I guess, like I'm just imagining what it takes to be the best in the world. Like just using my imagination. Cause I don't know firsthand, obviously, but there's gotta be some gears that you got to turn off. And I'd imagine there's like some sort of personal rebranding and some things that are maybe a struggle to let go of, but I know it takes a different set of skills, maybe aside from that to, you know, be patient enough to raise kids. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, I mean, I just preface,
1: everything i'm about to say with i have no idea <laughs> i still i don't i haven't figured it out i don't think i will figure it out i think it's just a process it's just a a quest and a journey that it, as long as you're trying i think you're doing you're doing great mm-hmm. um but it i it, we touched on the kind of the perfectionism and the discipline and and just the time that getting to that that space the time it takes um And all of the decisions, when before you have kids, every decision that I made was completely self-centered. And then met my wife, we dated, we got engaged, we got married, yet still, and she was a professional athlete as well. She understood that. And so it was a very easy transition into being married with no kids where the decisions are still self-centered because this was, this is the business and you know, you wouldn't, I'm lacking a really good metaphor, but why would you make any decision that was detrimental to the business? You know, whether it Mm -hmm. was where we eat that night or sleep or what, like the travel we did or didn't do, um, they were, they were very easy transitions. There wasn't a lot of adjustment. And then, um, we had our we got pregnant we and we had we family we planned our the family and we planned like hey let's try to you know start having kids here and then hopefully we get pregnant by here and then we can we'll, we'll yeah so my last year of competing we got pregnant with our first child um she was born in the middle of my last season and I, for the most part, was just not there and like just not there like I I was there in the mornings, kiss on the head, I'm out the door before 6 30 so I could get to mm-hmm. the the weight room and do my my rehab and do all the things I needed to do just to be able to perform um and then changed my schedule a little bit so that I could be home earlier and then was. like my wife for the first eight months of my daughter's life, she slept in the room with my daughter so that I could get a good night's sleep and slept in our bed. So I missed all the, you know, I mean, over the weekends there were some, but I missed all the midnight feedings and all that kind of stuff. Like my wife just said, I got it. You got to sleep. Like if if I don't, if you don't sleep, you're going to, I mean, that's, you're not going to make it. Um, And so again, Still didn't have to transition. Still didn't really get into any mode of that much sacrifice, if any, at all. Mm -hmm. Um, It helped me continue my career. I mean, it helped me do some amazing things in the last year of my career that I thought my body wasn't able to do anymore just because of pain and injury and stuff. Um, And so then once we were done, there was this, you know, I'd saved every penny we'd ever you know, I'd ever earned, I bought a bunch of real estate. We had a bunch of rental properties. We were set. Like I didn't, I didn't need a job. I didn't have to fall into anything, but I got to like take a break and I was there and I was kind of, that was a hard time too, because now you're just, here's this baby. I'm like, okay, what do we, what do we, do, what do we do while it's awake? Like what <laughs> do we, you know? Um, yeah. And I was around, I mean, I wasn't like an absentee father. I was just made the decision to to work versus being there, you know, like 10 yeah. out of 10. Um, and so didn't know really what to do. And then got contacted out of the blue for this NBA um, program that was in Austin. The The head of the, the program was an old UT athlete, who's a swimmer, uh, Garrett Weber Gale, a couple of times, Olympic gold medalist, like just rock star human beings, just a great, great guy, great dad, good person. Like if he said it was a a cool, like, Hey, you should look into this. I think it's, you'd be great for it. I, I took that very, very seriously. So then I ended up, you know, a couple of months later, stepping into a, a highly competitive, very time consuming MBA program. And it was just something else to kind of distract me from like, what am I going to do with my life now kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, In that time, uh, we got pregnant with our second. Um, And the last five months of pregnancy, it was a full-on, like, I'm not joking. I was working either in, I was either in class or working or studying for this program anywhere from like 105 to 130 hours a week. I was wow. sleeping three to five hours a night, just kind of depending on where you, where it hit me, but it was the most time consuming and like crazy period of my life to date. It, it was just an incredibly difficult program. And, um, I graduated and I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I knew I was valedictorian because I just had put my mind on this, this one thing and I was going to, it was I was going to do my best and my best was going to be good enough. I just knew because that's how like, that's how I've come to find out most things in life work, you know, like that delayed gratification putting in time and effort. Um, and then a month later we had our second kid. So now I've got a two year old and a newborn and I'm off in the world with a new set of skills, uh, like a new toolkit. And one of the things throughout that program, I got to cross paths with a, Dozens and dozens, I'd probably say close to a hundred unbelievably successful people and and successful by everybody's kind of like today's metrics mm-hmm. worth a hundred million dollars sold, you know, 10 companies has a couple private jets, like, uh, one of the, like some of the most philanthropic people in Austin and all of them had the same exact stories, I and they all said, I could have done what I did and spent more time with my kids. And there's no time, nothing buys you more time. You can never go back in time to spend time with your kids. And from zero, and they all said about like, you know, zero to seven or zero to ten. He's like, I missed that. And now they either had teenagers or or 20 year olds and they were trying to get back into their lives and trying to reconnect now that they had time, you know. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, OK, well, now that narrows my focus on what I could go do. Like, I, I'm not going to go into banking or finance. Don't think I could do drop into like really time intensive industries um, because I I don't want to end up like these guys. And I'll, I'll take the pay cut. I don't care if it's an extra zero or whatever it is. I I want to at least be there. Even if I'm a bad dad, I still want to be there because that's the one thing that they'll remember. Like dad was there for all these things and dad was mm-hmm. around and dad took us to school every day. and Dad picked us up from this or took us to gymnastics or uh, just all that stuff was, it's just, it weighed really super heavily on all my decisions and it still really does. Um, Cause I, I've, I've been here, you know, I, I, I became, I said, you know what, I'm going to do the self-employment route, started several businesses, Kind of broke even on them all, made some money on some others. Um, moved out of like managing our our real estate stuff um, to the end that we just now you know liquidated a bunch of it and we're living out of town now, so that there's less distraction. We're here like when you're at home, you're home, um, and it's still is it, is still a very large guiding principle of of any of my professional decisions. You know how. How often is this going to take me out of the house and how often will I miss, you know, taking the kids to school? How often will I not be able to pick them up, you know, at 3.30 um, from school? And that's that's kind of been that that journey out of out of it. And It's been a really it's been a struggle to not. I think I only know like one mode and that's that's hyper focus all in you know if if something's not adding to this performance it's taking away like very yeah. binary um and so it's been a real personal struggle to figure out what the next career might be um because I know what it feels like when it's right you know mm-hmm. I know what it I know what it feels like to be on purpose and to be doing what you love and I know that that feeling here I know what it's like to wake up feeling that I know what it's like to go to bed I know what it's like I just to be on on purpose and so I've tried to be patient and not jump at everything that's floating by. Um, And yeah, I'm still, still trying to figure it out. I'm in a really good spot right now. And we're about to start this kind of new season At I got a new job and we're trying to, this next five months figuring out the balance and what that looks like. Weighing weighing if that, all right, is this helping our family more than it's hurting? And we're kind of, We'll, we'll figure it out but i'm just trying my best not to uh <laughs> say like okay this is it this is the one like this is going to yeah. be it
0: you know yeah why do you think we as uh i say we just as as men as guys generally t- like you ask any any like i'm thinking of the guys the you know 100 million guys $100 million guys that you're talking about with you know very successful guys and they're all trying to jump back into their lives later on I bet if you asked them any point along the way, like, hey, list your priorities for me, they'd probably put their family first. And I think most guys probably would. They would say that or they would think that that's the priority. But if you look at their time, like theirs, obviously that wasn't the case. Why do you think we do that? Like, why do you think that's the, do you think that's like our hardwiring? What do you think that is about us as just as stereotypical dudes chasing something, not doing or not, I guess, pursuing what we would consciously say is our first priority.
1: I, I, my first reaction is I don't think that they're wrong. I, the guys that all went out Mm -hmm. and that I, even the ones that I'd spoke to that it's, that started companies that, you know, sold widgets or had consulting firms or whatever it was that they did or drilled for oil. They weren't doing that out of some, like, I need to do this. There was, there was a, A paycheck that was tied along with it and to them taking care of their families was providing them a place to live and providing them with everything they'd ever want and need and an education and making sure that no one was going to stress about where the next meal was coming from Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of fear involved with well if I don't do that Am I still being a good father? If I if I'm not going out and working really hard for my family, does that am I still doing my my duty as 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 a man or as some what what I think everyone had a different experience growing up? Um mm-hmm. and I think my parents were the of the ilk that you worked really, really hard. You know, the sun up to sun down worked really, really hard in order to provide you know, everybody's hierarchy of, of needs. And if that meant going to an after school daycare or having a babysitter or whatever that is, that's kind of what happened. Um, but I think everybody's experience is a little different. And so the guy the, the men that went out there that were hustling that didn't see their families as much as they could, I think still believe that they were providing, you know, in those moments that I'm being a good father by providing for my family kind of thing. Um, but there's a lot of fear in, in stepping out and doing it the other way and saying, you know what, I'll, I can, I can take that meeting tomorrow or sorry, I can't make dinner tonight, guys, I'm going to have to postpone or cancel, or can we just do this on a phone call or something, just trying to find the alternative so that you can be home for dinner with your family or bedtime or bath or whatever, whatever that routine is, um, there's a lot of fear. I think if, if you don't do this, then I might miss the deal or I might, uh, you know, I'm going to go look back on, I might not get the promotion or I might not. I don't know. And it's still something I don't think there is like a right or, or wrong answer.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel that, I mean, dude, I, I really appreciate you framing it in that way. And, and I'm, I've kind of swung, I guess, more back towards where you were going with that. Like I'm, I'm 31 and I've not made it financially. Like I've, I do well and like, I have a good job and everybody's comfortable, but I know that like consciously I'm leaving some margin on the table professionally of like what I could accomplish. Cause I do say no to some of those things to, you know, go, go coach little league. You know what I mean? Like I'm coaching little league period. And I have put my foot down on that. So there's things I miss at work. The reality is I leave that margin on the table at work. Cause the person sitting next to me is not, so I can, it is scary cuz like i i do you know I, I have that thought like it's it's hard for me to kind of i guess auto cor- or correct back away from that default and my, i guess in my own head i've just tried to think you know i kind of look at it like a season you know my kids are only going to be little once and you know god willing i'll have a chance to to pursue i'll i'll have i'll have the chance hopefully to pursue that extra margin that's on the table now professionally later on my kids are a little older and they don't really give a shit about hanging out with me to begin with that's kind of the that's kind of the approach that i'm taking but there's there is you're right there's a lot of fear in it and that's that's hard to do but i love the way that you frame that saying like you know they're not wrong and it's all well-intentioned and you're right everybody's got a different background um but yeah i kind of fall into that to that other bucket and it's I don't know if it's right or wrong or if it could be right or wrong, but it's, there's definitely some fear in it.
1: Yeah. And I, I think you can drive yourself mad trying to, what if you, you know, shoulda, coulda, what if yourself to death where just do make the best informed choice that you can and, and don't, don't make it your choice. It's, it should be the family's choice, you know, Mm -hmm. and then don't even, don't think about alternatives. Don't like, don't worry about what could have would have been just do whatever that route that you that you've taken do it to the best of your ability because if you're not doing that then i mean that's wrong yeah that's that is where you can you find yourself in a, a shame spiral and kind of guilting yourself to death where you maybe you've chosen to do the extra stuff that works in order to have a family vacation in the summer or do something mm-hmm. like that and if you're not giving it your all you're just and you're looking back on it with nothing but regret you're that's that's poor fatherhood right there
0: yeah yeah i've in my own head i've boiled it down to like stewardship of my time and how present i could be no matter where whatever i am deciding to allocate my time towards like trying to not be the guy who's at home worried about work or at work worried about being at home just like being there wherever it is being there and and soaking it up and you know going all in on whatever whatever that looks like to your point uh it's hard out here man i'll tell you what you said before nobody's written the book on it damn so i wish somebody would Uh,
1: maybe after this after you can compile like a couple hundred shows just take the like you could just take like top comments from each show and you got a book right there
0: there we go there we go we'll put it it that could be just my give, first, me
1: like a, uh, give me a producer credit on that then
0: there you go hey, hey you'll be in the book one way or another there's a there's a lot of gold in this dude uh this is awesome um well i want to be respectful of your time i told you we got two questions i asked just about everybody that comes on the show so cool. i'll go ahead and move into those and then i'll uh i'll kick you off here uh so first question and only caveat is the answer to this question cannot be your family but besides your family what are you the most proud of in your life so far uh
1: goodness really i mean besides i think uh yeah off the track stuff as a young kid i just i think i got really really lucky and i i took advantage of that opportunity i think i just look i can look back on every moment in my career and know that i got uh the most out of my body you know there i i can't i i have no moments where i would look back and say Oh man, I wish I would have done this harder or better or whatever. I just I'm really proud of my younger self for giving everything like the the old college try and and not really phoning any of it in. So I, I I just I sleep really well with my career knowing that I gave it everything that I had. I'm I'm just as I get older, I realize how that's not not the most common thing and and even given those same opportunities today i don't know that myself now would be able to make the decisions that my younger self made so that's i'm i'm really you know not getting too like back back pat myself on the back uh really proud of that younger
0: version of myself yeah i'll just say um everybody should go listen to trey's conversation with cal cal han on cows podcast uh, i've loved here and you reflect on the story i think it was the 2012 olympics where you had the busted elbow mm-hmm. and then you went you were telling that whole story like everybody go check that out it's a, yeah. a, that'll give you a little color oh yeah nice little nice scar little, there
1: oh wait, right, there it is yeah
0: yeah yeah Not still bad. there and still, still very <laughs> very numb yeah just can't feel anything I, I believe it i mean you were in the you guys just go check out the, it's a it's a great story worth listening to you guys go listen to it um all right. Last question for you is about the word legacy. Um, there's a lot of different connotations to legacy. We talked about, I think, some of those a little bit before. It's Maybe it's generational wealth. Maybe it's names on buildings. Maybe it's security, whatever that may look like for a lot of people. When I think about legacy, though, when I think about it <clears throat> through the context of this question, I think about people that mean the most to me in this, this world and then the people that, God willing, I will leave behind in this world. And when I think about you know, the moments, the memories, the lessons, and you know, the things that I'll get to leave with those people in that those two buckets and all these that's my kids, right? Um, so I think about what I'm gonna leave them with, what they're gonna remember maybe about me, what I can teach them while I'm here, when I while I have the opportunity to kind of foster them along as the, as they figure the world out. So um that's kind of what I think about when I think about the world the word legacy. So if I turn that around on you and I said, Trey, what do you want your legacy to be with your three kiddos? How would you answer that? i I'm.
1: Tr- I try to. It's a. It's a good question. I try to shape what I. What I want my kids to remember about me, with how I remember my. My stepfather that passed. Um. He he died in 2013, and shortly a couple of years after, we unearthed letters that he had written me that I don't believe that he had ever given me, but were these thoughtful. Uh, letters of just stories from when he was a kid and like the lessons that he wanted to pass on to us and and then the way that i remember that that man was just how disciplined and dedicated he was because he wanted he just wanted what was best for us and not what he thought was best or anything like that i just to that to that end every every so often i'll write my kids an email so when they were born we all got their we got their names at gmail and every now and then her mom and i just write them letters like hey you were so good today here's what we did and just we'll kind of talk about the day or we'll talk about like big life stuff like hey sometimes you're going to be forced to make decisions that you really shouldn't have to make or don't want to make and like you know if you ever want to if you ever need to talk we are we sh- we want to be the first people you call that we're not you there's no judgment there's no punishment there's no anything we just want to be here for you because that's how our parents were for us and all just that kind of fondness um i think there's a lot of people i think that look down and look back at their childhoods or the way their relationships are with their parents and they're just There's a lot of like, I don't know, I don't know if there's a word for it, but um, maybe like finger pointing, like in a way, Mm -hmm. like a lot of blame to parents for the way people become or whatever it is, like, what were the parents thinking? Or I don't, I just want them to just think back in my legacy to just be fond, you know, like just fond memories. Like I have warmth in my heart when I think about my stepfather and that it's, there's no one event. There's, there's several, I mean, there's several that pop up seconds later, but like, there's just such a fondness for his, his goodness. Um, he wasn't the life of the party. He wasn't like Mr. Socialite. He wasn't always Mr. Fun. He wasn't always that guy, but I have just such incredible fondness for his presence and who he was as a man and a, and a father and how he went about everything in life and, yeah, I, I never really thought about that. Um, yeah, and in in death, it wasn't. It's not like this big financial legacy. He doesn't have a name on buildings. He doesn't have any of that stuff. But the to the, and to the letter, everyone that was at his funeral shared the same sentiments. There wasn't. He was just. He was Frank. You know. Yeah. Um, so much so I mean, we named our first our first girl. No matter if it was a boy or girl, we were going to name them Frank. Yeah. Um, so that would, that would be the best. Yeah. That would be my, just thinking about it. That legacy would be that of just warmth and and fondness.
0: I love it, dude. That's uh, that's great. Well, Hey man, thank you so much for making some time. I know you're busy, dude. You got, you got kids all over. You got three kids. I know that's busy. That's a full house. And, um, dude, I'm just, uh, super pumped. We were able to connect just a couple of us, alums hanging out. Um, where's the best place for people to find you follow you learn more about you
1: uh i mean twitter and instagram you want to see a picture of my kids that's pretty much all that's on uh on instagram but i'm at at trey hardy on pretty much everything uh haven't gotten into tiktok i think i made like one or two of those and then was kind of like this is this is way too much (laughs) um but yeah twitter and instagram pretty simple and as you can attest I don't really answer the, the messages. I forget to check those things for, like, <laughs> for months at a time. But, um, hey, you get, we yeah. got it.
0: You get, you can hit me but, back.
1: But I will get to it. That's, the, I will get to it. Um, but yeah, that that's just it. I love, I love that kind of stuff. Um, love interacting with people and talking about what they're dealing with and what's going on. And, and yeah.
0: Good stuff. You want to give a quick plug for uh, Feel Free?
1: Oh sure, yeah. It's uh, I know you got it sitting there. That's Yeah, it's a nice. There we go. Oh, there we go. There we go. Look at that plant-based tonic. I can't legally say that it makes parenting easier, but it but it doesn't make it worse. I can say that it does not make it worse.
0: There we go. That's a that's a that's a commercial right there. Um, <laughs> good stuff. We'll uh, we'll link, we'll link everything up. Trey, really appreciate you, brother
1: outstanding yeah same you man yeah great coming full circle with a little vestavia hills rebel
0: all right everybody that's it thanks for listening and if you haven't already do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review we can't thank you enough for your support until next time remember to love and lead from the front see you